Welcome to Stories from the First Watch. This is both a solo game and an experiment in storytelling. The story and the character's actions will unfold upon the roll of the dice. Once the game starts, nothing is predetermined. The dice are in control. Last episode, we rejoined the party as they emerged from hiding. They were briefed by Nella, landlady of the Saint and Ogre Inn, an agent of the Greyfellows Thieves Guild, to locate the missing herbalist and Greyfellows spy, Elwyn. The party are given provisions and equipment, and they leave the town of Forlond by a secret route. Once out into the wider world, the party get to know each other a bit more, before stumbling across a deserted farmhouse. Listening at the door, Kilia hears the sound of muffled calls. Elmanda is reluctant to investigate, but Narvi's faith compels him to lead a rescue attempt. Inside, the party sees a bound man, but they are then ambushed by a group of goblins. After a tough battle, the party defeats the creatures and untie the man, who turns out to be Elwyn. Rather than returning straight to Forland, however, Elwyn convinces the party to help him investigate reports of bandits kidnapping inhabitants of the village of Hollowhill. He claims that goblins have been working with these human bandits, based in the ruins of what Na'vi claims is a dwarven outpost. The episode ends with Kilia finding a map of the hideouts on one of the goblins' corpses. We shall rejoin the story in episode 2. Day 1, Afternoon the wind whistled and howled around the craggy outcrop of rock high up on the rugged plateau known as the Miston Moor. Huddled around the base of the rock, sheltering from the gale, were a band of goblins, nine in total. They were sinewy and lean, their exaggerated features covered by leather caps, hoods, or rusty, battle-looted helmets. They gnawed on rations of mouldy cow bones and beetle-ridden biscuits and fought and bickered amongst themselves. The atmosphere was tense. They knew the human town of Forland was just a few miles away, and they were not used to being this close to so many of the hated creatures. Their leader was larger than the rest, and had a more muscular body, his skin a bluish tinge rather than the sickly grey-green of the others. Great scars crisscrossed his face and the top of his head, dividing his spiky hair into tufts. His name was Druk, and he was a hobgoblin, an elite member of the goblin tribes bred for leadership. He busied himself by sharpening the blade of his axe on a flint, but looked up as a figure crashed at the ridge around fifty yards away. Quiet, he bellowed, cuffing two of the more agitated goblins around the head. Kef is back. The goblin called Kef arrived back at the camp, breathing hard. She was lightly armoured and moved quickly and skillfully over the rocky terrain. Well? said Druk gruffly. You see human house? Yes, said Keth. Nasty human house down in the valley. The prisoner will be there, making his lads keeping guard. Alpha, demanded Druk. You get off this hill. Take shelter in human house. Tickle prisoner till he talks. He held up his axe and mimed the stabbing motion. The other goblin snickered. Three miles. 
said Kef. No humans about. She eyed the scraps of meat hungrily. We can cook, prisoner? She asked hopefully. Long time since proper food. No, snapped Druk. Him belonged to Big Boss, remember? No eating, prisoner. There were grumbles from the gang, which silenced as he glared at them. Let's go, quick, quick, Druk barked. We get prisoner. We go back to Tuttles. Boss, feed us like chiefs. March! The goblins picked up their weapons and started to make their way down the steep inclines of the rocky cliff face, heading for the farmhouse. Behind the scenes. Before we rejoin the party, I'm going to make Elwyn an official non-player character. I don't know how long he will be with the party, but his skills and experience are hopefully going to be useful in the meantime. I'm going to roll Elwyn's stats up as a second level thief. This means he gets two hit dice. Rolling 2d4, that's eight hit points. I will say he is currently down to six to reflect the wounds caused by the goblins and the neglect he has suffered whilst tied up. Let's roll his stats at 3d6 per stat. Strength, 10. Dexterity, 15, that's good. It reflects his role as a thief, and that's a plus one bonus. Constitution, only a nine. Being tied up has not done wonders for his health. Intelligence, 13. Wisdom, 12. Charisma, 10. Elwyn is going to forage leather armour as best he can from the dead goblins, and will also take one of their daggers. He is skilled as a herbalist, and I'm going to rule that once back outside, he has the foraging skills to find herbs, which will make healing poultices. These will add plus one to the wounded member's hit points. Elmanda was badly wounded, so he will take one of the two healing potions the party has. I'm going to roll a d6 and add two to it, which will include Elwyn's bonus, which gives him four plus two, so six hit points back. This takes him back to his full score of eight. Navi, meanwhile, gets back one of his hit points due to Elwyn's skill. Kilia has managed to fix her bowstring and takes four arrows to add to her quill. Let's catch up with the party and see what happens next. Day one, early evening. Party status. Elmanda, eight of eight hit points. Navi, five of six hit points. Kilia, four of four hit points. Mara, four of four hit points. Elwyn, six of eight hit points. Spells available. There are no spells available. The shadows were starting to lengthen as the party took a quick water break high on the rugged path. They had left the farmhouse half an hour earlier, and the resourceful Elwyn had already found some useful herbs with which to bind into poultices. He put these on Navi and Elmanda's wounds. Elmanda examined his arm, marvelling. He had already gulped down the vial that Nella had given them and had watched in amazement as the wound had begun to knit itself together before his eyes. Now he was almost pain-free again. Navi had declined the other potion, preferring to let the herbalist's natural remedies take their course. Mara looked up at the slowly darkening sky anxiously, 
I don't want to be out here at night, she said. And I couldn't stay there with the bodies of those... things. She had never seen goblins before, and after that experience, was firmly sure she did not want to again. There must be somewhere we can find to spend the night in safety. I don't know about safety, Elwyn said, but I agree, child. We are not far from the Shadow Woods now. It has a bad reputation, but that may work in our favour. We are less likely to be bothered by any more of the goblins. They are just as frightened of the forest as we are. Not sure I follow that logic, said Elmanda. That just implies there are far worse things to face in there. You may be correct, said the older man. But I feel with five of us we can take our chances. Once the morning comes, we should be within two days' walk of Hollow Hill. And also in the middle of a dark and dangerous forest, said Narvi. If we travel around its edge, it'll take us two days more, and we may well be a target for any other bands of goblins roaming the area, argued Elwyn. Those will not be the last we see. Elmander sighed. That's fair. It is odd for them to be so close to a human town. I think you may be onto something with your talk of a bandit's nest. Killy was looking back in the direction they had come. I can see something, she said. By the farmhouse, look. Movement. Narvi squinted. You are right. It looks like our presence may have been discovered. We should move quickly. How far to these woods, herbalist? From here, roughly six hours. It is not too far, but the terrain is difficult. We had better leave now, said Armanda. Goblins are fast and they'll smell us. I'm not drinking that magic potion just to get pincushioned all over again. Agreed, said Navi. Our decision is made for us. Let us get to these woods as soon as possible. The party shouldered their packs and continued their journey up the heathland as quickly as they could. The goblin band approached the farmhouse cautiously. Kef sniffed the air and her eyes narrowed. Humans have been here, she said urgently, sniffing again. And Druk drew his axe. Get ready for fight. The troop of goblins burst into the farmhouse. Surveying the scene, they shrieked in dismay as they saw the remains of their fellows, then realised that their prisoner had also gone. Druk bent down and picked up an arrow. Take a human weapon. Human scum taken prisoner. He straightened up, his eyes ablaze. We go after them. They not go far. Quickly! We slice and stab them till they bleed! The goblins answered with shrieks and hisses, and they sprinted from the house. Behind the scenes. So now the party is entering a race against the goblins who have become aware of their existence and have picked up their scent. This is going to be tense. Will the party reach the relative safety of the Shadow Woods before the goblins catch up with them? The basic fantasy rules don't really cover long distance pursuits, so I'm going to homebrew my own rules. Both the party and the goblin band will roll for initiative once per hour of travel, with six hours between their current locations and the woods. The party has a 30 minute head start on the goblins, however the goblins can move faster, as the party can only move as fast as its slowest member, 
who is Narvi, encumbered by chainmail. I'm going to rule that the goblins therefore have plus one to their rolls. Whoever wins each initiative roll will gain the equivalent of 10 minutes travel time. If the goblins catch up to the party, combat will undoubtedly ensue. Let's see if the party can make it to safety before the goblins catch them. At the beginning of the pursuit, the goblins are half an hour behind the party. I'm going to roll for both groups for the next six hours, adding one to the goblins total. Hour one. The goblins. Three. The party. Five. The party's head start serves them well and they pull ahead by ten minutes. Hour two. The goblins. Six. The party. Three. The goblins pull back after the party hit a difficult section of terrain, slowing down. Back to a half an hour distance between the two. Hour three. The goblins. Seven. The party. Six. The party continued to struggle in the rocky terrain. The goblins are now only 20 minutes behind them. Hour four. The goblins. Three. The party. Three. The goblins also enter the rocky terrain, which causes them to slow up too. The party maintains a 20 minute lead. Hour five. The goblins. Four. The party. Three. Uh oh, the goblins have found a way out of the rocky terrain and are gaining on the party again. The gap has now shrunk to 10 minutes. Hour six. This could prove crucial. The goblins. Two. The party. Three. Looking behind them, the party can make out the goblins gaining on them and put on a final burst of speed to pull them away as fast as they can. They reach the safety of the tree line and they have escaped the goblins, for now. The goblin troop tore along the heathland, following the scent of the party. The day was rapidly waning and the sun had sunk behind the horizon. The goblins felt empowered by this and started a hissing war cry that echoed amongst the rocky valleys. Kef halted suddenly, she said. In the far distance was a black line of trees, the borders of the shadow woods. A number of small dark shapes could just be picked out a couple of hundred yards in front of this line, moving towards the safety of the trees. The goblins howled in frustration. Howled Kef. The troop were well aware of the reputation of the shadow woods and had no intention of traveling through them in the night. Druk cursed and spat. We take road round Nasty Woods, he said. We go back in daylight. If they survive, we ambush them, finish them. If not, we go in and take bodies, keep prisoner alive. Boss will gut us if he escapes. The goblin band turned away from the woods and began the long journey around their perimeter. Day one, evening. Party status. The party status is unchanged. The five figures staggered into the encroaching woods, feeling the darkness creep into their vision as the sun sank beneath the horizon and the trees began to block out the remaining light. They walked a few more minutes until they were sure they were totally obscured from the outside world, then came across a small clearing. Mara, totally exhausted, sank to the ground and sat there with her head on her knees. The others too took their seats, the rigours of the past few hours finally hitting them. They had been awake since before dawn, 
and they had travelled almost 15 miles and had fought in a gruelling battle. They desperately needed rest and food. They debated briefly about building a fire. Narvi and Myra were against it, fearing it would attract the inhabitants of the woods, whereas the rest reasoned that it would scare off any wandering creatures, and that a cooked meal would do them all good. The larger group won, and Elwyn, being the least exhausted, set out to collect as much firewood as he could find in the clearing. He found enough for a small fire and arranged the branches into a cone. Kilia lit it with her tinderbox, and the exhausted party sat round the fire, eating their rations and making desultory small talk for a few moments, before drawing lots for the night's watch duties. Behind the scenes I have assigned a number for each party member to determine the order of watch. Each party member will take an hour's watch before handing over to the next. The order is... Elmanda Mara Kilia Narvi Elwyn I'm going to roll a wandering encounter check for each watch. On the roll of a one, something or someone will encounter the group. Elmanda 5 Mara 4 Kilia 1 Something has found the group. I'm going to roll on the basic role-playing wandering encounter table for forest encounters. There are some nasty things on here, so let's hope we're lucky. 13. Uh-oh. That's a direwolf. This is going to be quite a test. Day 1. Night. Kilia yawned softly and massaged her temples. She had slept for just two hours when Mara had woken her for her watch duty, and she could still feel the fatigue coursing through her limbs. The fire had died down to embers, and the night was enveloping them again. Everything was deftly quiet, apart from the occasional hoot of a faraway owl. There was a snap. Kilia jerked her head round. Had she imagined it? She knew from experience that the night heightened her senses, making her hyper-aware of any tiny noise. No. There it was again. And it was followed by a regular, soft padding like the feet of a large animal. She slowly got to her feet, scanning the clearing. Nothing. Then she saw a flash and started. There were two shiny orbs in the darkness of the trees to the left. They were only a few inches apart, about four feet high, and they reflected the glow of the embers. Very slowly, Kilian knelt again, picking up her bow. The orbs moved forward, they were eyes. The creature passed through a narrow beam of moonlight, and she picked out a large, pointed head and two pricked ears. It was a wolf. But it was no wolf that Kilia had ever seen before. It was huge and muscular, almost the size of a pony. Kilia's voice caught in her throat, and it was all she could do to finally blurt out. Wake up! There's danger! Wake up! Thank you for listening to Stories from the First Watch. 
Despite not featuring any combat, this was a tense episode to play through. As the party escape from the frying pan, but run immediately into the fire. I'd like to thank two new voice actors. As the brooding hobgoblin Druk, we have Lewis Hanrahan. And Kef the Goblin Scout was played by KT. The party's up against a fearsome foe. How will they fare? To find out, join me next time for more stories from the first watch.